Thank you so much, music team. Thanks for your singing this morning. That last song comes from Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5 and verse 2, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That song's a reflection on that particular text, and what a great reflection it is. Well, we are going to be in the book of 2 Thessalonians today. We've only got two more messages here in 2 Thessalonians this week and next week, and we will finish up that book. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12. Today we're going to talk about work, and as we talk about work, we're also going to talk about rest And this message at the beginning and particularly at the end may come across a little bit different because we're going to talk about the text here in the middle and then we're going to offer some reflections on this idea of work and rest and that will lead us into our time of communion this afternoon. I've titled this message today, No Free Lunch. No Free Lunch, and some of you will be familiar with that phrase popularized by economist Milton Friedman, free market economist, and it's actually also the title of a new book by David Bonson of the Bonson Group and son of apologist uh, Greg Bonson, just FYI, so that you know. Today we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about work and rest, and you know, the Bible is not an economics textbook, we all know that to be true, but the Bible's also not completely silent on things like work ethic and the exchange of goods, and really a biblical Christian worldview really undergirds so much economic theory and policy. Today we're not getting into the macro picture quite as much, we're going to look at this concept and idea of work, and we're going to really try to apply that to us. I think as we get started here today, I think we need biblical wisdom to think about the issue of work, because I think there are two mistakes to avoid, really two ditches, we could say. One is this, you could say, my work has little or no true value. So what I do, my nine to five, Monday through Friday, or You know, in today's modern world, it's more like your 24-hour work because we never actually turn off our work. Whatever it is that you do, it doesn't really have value. It's just sort of how you pay the bills so that you can do real spiritual things like serving at your church or sharing the gospel, things like that. So there's no actual value. My work has no true value. The second ditch and second problem we could have is saying my work is really my identity, And I think we all know better than saying that out loud, but practically, do we come across that way? And here's what's tricky about these two ditches. They can both sound really spiritual, right? Let's let's try to illustrate this. Imagine two workers. We're going to call them Julie and Jill. If you're named Julie or Jill this morning, I'm not picking on anyone. I just needed two names, and those are the two that came to mind. Julie and Jill. Julie says, she's a worker, she says, I'm a Christian, and as a Christian, I want to set a good example. Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. So, in order to be a good Christian worker in the workplace, here's what I need to do. I need to be the first one in the office. I need to be the last one to leave. I need to grind when others aren't. I need to be a leader. I need to set a good example. I need to represent Christ and I need to do everything with excellence, make sure I don't let my team down, the people that I work with. 
Sounds reasonable, right? Jill, on the other hand, says, you know, we live in a fallen world that's confused about issues of identity and worth, and I'm a Christian as well, and the Bible tells me that I'm made in the image of God. The Bible also lets me know that my identity is ultimately in Christ. I'm identified with him. So this work thing that I do, it doesn't identify me. It's just something that I do. The Bible also tells me I have a future with the Lord, tells me the Lord's coming back, he's gonna fix this place. So is what I'm doing really all that important? I'm just sort of holding out until Jesus comes back, right? Because of that, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna demonstrate to the unbelieving world around me and in my workplace that I'm not married to this job. I'm just gonna show them that I'm not married to this thing. I'm not working the long days. I'm not gonna overdo it like these other people are. I'm gonna take all my days off and a few that are maybe unauthorized. I may take an extra long lunch here and there. And if a spiritual conversation happens to pop up with a coworker, I'll just sort of take the afternoon and you know, it's better to get them into the kingdom than to make these widgets, whatever it is that I'm doing. It's more important to get people to see Christ. And so my work is really not all that significant. Sounds reasonable as well, doesn't it? Sounds spiritual, even. My identity's not in my work. Here's the problem. They could both be right and they can both be wrong at the same time, can't they? And this is where I can't give you the exact chapter, verse, this is how we do it. What we need is God's wisdom. And what we need is to think through these carefully. Julie, the first worker, is inclined to neglecting maybe her own health, her own spiritual health, relationships, maybe her family, maybe her church family, because she's so focused on getting the task and job done that she may be inclined to neglecting other important things. Jill, on the other hand, who says, you know what, this is kind of secondary to who I actually am. She may be inclined to leave projects unfinished, to let people down on her work team that are counting on her. She may not volunteer and help with extra projects around the office, whatever that is. Let's just sort of figure out the lowest common denominator around here to keep me gainfully employed. And that's the best thing that I can do because that's how I'm going to show people I'm not married to this thing and there are more important things to me. So you see the two problems. One is giving themselves too much. The other is not giving enough of themselves, and both could be right or wrong depending on the situation. So many times we want just a clear, do this, don't do that. And so many times, if you're looking for that, I wanna make sure I carefully say this and qualify this, if you're looking for that from the Bible, the Bible's going to disappoint you because it doesn't give you the do this, do that. What we have is big picture principles of this is how life works. This is God's story. This is how the gospel works. And it's up to us with God's wisdom, with the Spirit's guidance, and with input and help from others to figure out exactly how this works for us. So my goal today isn't to give anybody a checklist. My goal today is just to challenge us to think carefully and rightly about how we spend our time and how we spend our efforts and our lives. So let's get into it. We're gonna take a little time and reflect on this idea of work. 
from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 